Hello and welcome to the second episode of the Modernism Real Estate Podcast, where, where this is a nonchalant, comfortable conversation between two super cool realtors, where we talk about today's market and real estate topics. We hope that you, as listeners and viewers, may learn a couple things from our conversation, and we hope that you enjoy. And don't forget to hit that uh, follow, subscribe, like, yeah, notification bell. You yeah. don't want to miss anything. Dude, We're I, posting. I don't know why I can never get that part down. Every it's time a, it's the YouTuber lore. Is that yeah? Or, or you know, you've got to know yeah. it. You got to know the pitch. Yeah. Uh, so hit that notification bell because every Monday, okay, every Monday we're releasing a podcast and we're going to be releasing videos throughout the week as well. Yeah. And feel free to comment or, uh, you know, ask any questions because we will definitely be taking a look at those and we'd love totally. to, you know, put those in the, in these podcasts and in, in these videos where we can answer your guys' questions or topics that you guys want us to dive more into. Okay, so in today's podcast, we kind of wanted to talk about the difference between buying in 2023 and 2022. We realized that in those two different times, you have a very different market. A lot has changed. In 2022, it was the end of COVID, pretty much. Rates were insanely good at that point, uh, which was like 2%, I think. The lowest that you can get was like 2%, which is pretty crazy for a home. Yeah, I think there were a lot of um, jumbo loans, for instance, that mm -hmm. were even better rates because uh, those just track a um, little bit better. But yeah, I think around 3% was maybe the... The baseline. The well, baseline. yeah. Mm -hmm. And yeah. right now, as of 2023, it's doubled. It was actually a little higher a couple months ago where it was like 7 8%. Now it's around that 6% now. Yeah. Which is better than the 7 8%. Uh, but definitely, I'll take the 6 over the 7 yeah. 8 for sure. And, you know, one disclaimer, we're filming these podcasts every week and we're, we're up to date. But mm -hmm. also, you know, rates change daily. They change with the markets, the bond prices, actually yeah. like, it, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a security, yeah. it, it's a securities market. So yeah. they change every day, mm -hmm. but essentially, you know, we can talk about the big differences between, okay, what did it look like in 2022? We've experienced this versus what is it looking like now? And how is it different? How is it in my perspective, better for home buyers? and better for home sellers at the same time, just because things aren't as stretched for, for, for timing. Yeah. There's absolutely. not such a glut to get into a house that yeah. like every, you know, all the procedures are waived. There, yeah. There's a little bit more thinking time. Yeah. And that, which is usual. It's yeah. traditional. So I guess we'll start with that to elaborate in, in the difference between 2023 and 2022. Okay. So, during 2022, like in the beginning of the year, it was so competitive. Like people were buying homes by over overbidding, uh, throwing out all their contingencies out the window. They did not care if the home was breaking down or yeah. like if there was any hidden defects. We'll take it. You know, they 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 bought it like they just bought it as it is essentially. Uh, and I think that's one of the biggest difference as today in today's uh, today's market, essentially. Uh, you as a buyer obviously have more leverage, more time 
not too much, but you definitely have a lot more time than before, and you're not competing with other buyers. I think those right. are like probably one of the biggest changes in today's market than it was last year. Uh, do you want to elaborate on some of those things? Yeah. Okay. Let's. I want to totally describe it to like a, a, a real estate newbie. I mean, what is what are interest rates? What, what does it matter? Mm-hmm. Well, in the U.S., we have the Federal Reserve, which is a national bank, not the US government, but basically runs all of our monetary supply. Mm-hmm. So their job is to keep inflation in check. Um, when there was a lot of spending by the government and uh, not a lot of um, uh, not a lot of things being produced during COVID, mm-hmm. they dropped rates like artificially low to 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 try to stamp out like any form of recession at that point. They wanted to say, okay, we're gonna make money really cheap for the consumer. So if the consumer is borrowing, if they're taking on debts like mortgages, Mm -hmm. then that money that they're gonna use to do that is gonna be really cheap. The interest rate's gonna be super low. So that flooded the market with buyers. Mm. So, you know, very generally just explaining to a newbie, like the lower the interest rates, the more buyers that are able to purchase houses and the more people are excited about that. Yeah, I think one of the things that I learned when I first started right. real estate was that interest rates curb the demand of supply and, uh, supply and demand, yeah. essentially. So when we are low on supply, interest rates typically tend to go up and then our inventory kind of catches up a little bit and then they start to decrease the interest rate or interest rate starts to decrease and then more people have the demand to buy, essentially. Is that do you, is totally. that is that something that you learned in real estate? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, specifically now, like we're talking about the Federal Reserve and like it's artificial, mm. right? Like yeah. we're like curbing supply and demand. It's not based on just how's the market operating yeah. uninhibited. Yeah. Um there's the there's like the Federal Reserve controlling. So Another thing that I wanted to bring up today mm-hmm. is, and I can maybe throw this up, we can maybe throw this up in, in the video, mm-hmm. but if you look at mortgage rates from a historical perspective, like 50 years out, mm-hmm. you're seeing the average uh, mortgage mm-hmm. around 7%, uh-huh. right? That's the average rate. However- On a 50 year span. On, on, like on a 50 year span, if you look at like the, and I'm talking about like, you know, the uh, just a normal like 30 year fixed rate mortgage. Hmm. So the average is hovering around 7%. So, um, you know, that's crazy because yeah. I think a lot of people uh, are shocked. Yeah, because they've experienced that COVID rate, which was the like COVID two rate, to 3%. which is like two to three, but yeah. that like in reality is super actually abnormal. That's historically, historically low. low. I mean, yeah. it had never been that low. Yeah, so. but people want that and I can't blame them. I, yeah. I want that myself too, but I don't think there's gonna be another case where we're gonna get that low unless if we have COVID round two, you know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> don't want COVID round two. Yeah, unless, uh, yeah. yeah. But yeah. yeah, very general. I just wanted to explain that a little yeah. bit of how yeah. like the mechanics of that of that mm-hmm. work. But if you look super low, we're actually in line with how mortgages should. Yeah, should it's normalized. Be the pricing. Yeah, yeah, of that. Okay. Yeah. So another difference uh, that I mentioned previously before was the hot market. Yeah. So in today's market, and 
in January 2023's market versus January 2022 market, and maybe a few months after January 2022, one thing that you noticed or that we noticed was the amount of offers you would get on a home. Like now, now and versus back then. For back then, you were probably competing with in the state of Washington at least. I don't know what it was what it was like in other states or anything like that. But I know that in Seattle, like Bellevue, all those big tech com- uh, company like cities, but the big tech cities. I'm sorry. Uh, I think people were probably competing with like twelve to thirteen other bidders, and that's how like the price. Uh, of bidding over 100 to 200k over i mean it, it got that high because you're bidding against that many people yeah 10 other people it gets out of hand quick yeah just because you have okay 10 percent chance of, of getting this and yeah and i personally with with some of my buyers i mean i had a buyer that we like really strong offers, like really strong. Like yeah. this guy was a cash buyer. Yeah. And we made like six offers before we ended up getting a a piece of property for him. Mm-hmm. And so the the whole those six times there Did were they like increase every six times. Or like, well, no, no, on six different pieces of property. Oh, six different but, pieces. But okay. six times we tried on six different pieces of properties to get him that. But there were like ten other buyers. Yeah. So unfortunately, we lost. Even though, yeah. like, in my heart, I feel like we were just so competitive. From your personal experience, uh, yeah. as do you think you, as the client's agent, or you, or them as a client, it was emotionally uh, draining to be beat out like five, six times. Yeah, I think definitely because. If you're like envisioning, okay, this is the house I want to get. Yeah. You know, and then you're it kinda like, like thinking, just slips through your and fingers. And then it slips through your fingers. You're like, oh no. Dude, and yeah. and then it gets to the point where I you're yeah. like, all right, let we'll bid on this house. Like maybe we get this one. And and it kind of like the decision making, like the emotion yeah, of it that is sucks. like it's yeah. it is draining. Yeah. Well, I mean, in today's market, you're you're in not you're t- not competing with a market, lot of you're yeah. not. It, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one difference. Yeah. You're not like Mm-hmm. getting your hopes up as a buyer and like you know it's not as competitive so yeah sometimes you're the only offer which yeah. you know and sellers realize that so i think a good strategy even in today's market is going even under asking price yeah and um go go under and then definitely. they're probably going to counter with like a, a higher price but you know you as the buyer have more leverage. I think that's right. one of the biggest differences in terms of the market yeah. today versus last year. If I could bring up one data point that I that that reminds me of actually um, in Seattle. So one metric that we look at is percent of list price received for a home. Mm, yeah. So mm-hmm. whatever the home is is listed for, what and then what it sells for. So the percent. So if it sells for the same amount, yeah, it's hundred percent. Yeah, right. When it, it the sells, market was hot, I yeah. was seeing like, like a hundred and two, hundred and ten percent, hundred and ten. But yeah. now, what's interesting now that I'm seeing is that percent of list price received is ninety eight percent, ninety nine percent. Which, yeah, you would think, uh, okay, if we're going into this thinking like it's like, it's the end of the world, prices are falling, you know. 
prices are still kind of in line, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. What we are seeing is longer days on market, but at the end of the day, like that's a good indicator, I think to me that uh, it's softer, but it's not like uh, a seller can't get an offer on a house. Yeah. Uh -huh. You know, they're still getting kind of at that value. The, yeah, yeah. And I think one thing, one thing that a good, so here's, here's a tip for you guys sellers out there. So I think a good agent would, um, <laughs> so sorry. I think, no, no worries. <laughs> I think what defines a really good listing agent is knowing the market for that house in terms of that area, because that way they can price it competitively. We're told countless times as realtors and as real estate agents that a home will sell within 10 days if it's priced competitively. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, Even the given in any given market. And and think of it. Within that timeline, yeah. within a week on market, every potential buyer mm -hmm. that is going to buy your house has seen it already. Yeah. It's been online. Yeah. They've seen it online. All the media's out there. Mm -hmm. The sign's been in the yard, people have drive by. So the vast majority, ninety nine percent of people that are potential buyers for your house are probably in the in the ten day in the seven yeah. day ten day window. Yeah. So basically, what I want to say, yeah. these, this is for you, you sellers out there. <laughs> I understand that you guys want a price that you guys want for your home. It is your home, and it's totally normal to want that price. But to buyers out there, they don't see that value. Like, and what buyers see is what the buyer's agents are telling them. And what the buyer's agents are telling them is, hey, I did a, a compet competitive market analysis on this home. This is what the price you should be buying the home for, essentially. And that price, sometimes, typically and statistically, homeowners will always increase the price of their home. And that's understandably like fair because you know that has some sentimental value to to them right but the cma is not sentimental i would say just have an understanding that when you do list your home you you do have to kind of go along with the market analysis of that area or that neighborhood otherwise you're gonna have a hard, harder time selling your home so uh and when you here's another tip when you reduce the price of the home kind of that almost gives the leverage to the buyers too, in a sense. Right. Yeah. As like, if the home's been on, there's a psychological effect. Yeah. Like if it, can, it can go both ways. If it's actually. been on the market a yeah. long time. Yeah. If it's been on the market a long time. You inherently think, yeah. oh, there's something wrong with the house. Yeah. So actually scratch that. It's not yeah. when you reduce the price, it's the days on market. Days on market. Yeah. And then that leads to reducing the price. Yeah. But mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. That's the number one sign. Mm -hmm. I mean, even if there's nothing wrong with the house, mm -hmm. even if, uh, it's it's just the price. Yeah. Even if the price is just a little too high, and mm -hmm. and buyers are like, no, we you know we don't even want to try to make an offer. People are gonna yeah. think like there must be something wrong with yeah. that with that house, uh -huh. which is why it's so important. You know, in that ten day window that we're yeah. talking about. Mm -hmm. So typically, for this is a tip for sellers and buyers. Um, when a house has been on the market for thirty to thirty five days. I kind of wait a little bit more longer. Uh, I know that can be a little, you're, you're taking a chance there, but 
a few days after 30 to 35 days isn't much because if anyone were to have bought it, they would have bought it then. So around 30 to 35 days, that's where I, I see homes get a price reduction. And then once the price reduction comes, that's where a new flood of new flood of buyers come in. And sometimes once you do the price reductions, you never know buyers will want to go a little lower than that price reduction too. And that I feel like would, is what cuts deep to the sellers and sellers agents as well. Right, if you're um, finding a, an opportunity that's that's like in that position. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so the differences were in today's market and last, last year's market was super competitive. Uh, another thing I want to, another difference that I want to add to that list yeah. is your exit strategies, your use of exit strategies. Right, like, so by that do you mean Contingencies. Yeah, and then we went over yeah. this last the last podcast. Mm -hmm. But uh, contingencies. Do you want to go ahead and reiterate that for our listeners here? Uh, yes. So contingency meaning exit strategy. Um, I mean, in in the in in a way, it's not called, not a strategy. Yeah. Okay, like you're not you're not like making a strategy to exit a deal, but yeah. a contingency is like an inspection contingency. We went over this last week. If the home doesn't inspect to my standards, then I have a contingency and ability to walk away from the deal. Yeah, just think so of contingency not rather than a exit strategy, but like protection, right. insurance. Protection, inability to walk away if things don't end up, you know, how you looking want it. right in the yeah. deal. Yeah, exactly. As you go through, and, as you're in Yeah, and typically these contingencies keep, help you as the buyer to keep your earnest money as well. Right, yeah. and and I'll just say, last year in pent up demand, you know, how do you be more competitive with an offer? Yeah. Well, you can be on price, that's one thing, but you can also be competitive on terms. You can eliminate contingencies yeah. that make you like more locked up for the seller to actually purchase a house. Yeah, so essentially, yeah. Uh -huh. oh, I'm sorry to interrupt. No, no, yeah, yeah. go ahead. Um, yeah, but in today's market, right, it's always advised to have an inspection on the house so that you know the ins and outs of what you're buying. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. people, you know, there aren't as many maybe uh, maybe cash buyers. Yeah. Because the, uh, and I allude that to maybe in the higher brackets, mm -hmm. the, the stock market's been hit heavy. So, people probably don't have just like as much liquid cash as, as they usually have um, in general. Yeah. And that's my opinion. I'm just uh -huh. thinking, I'm like, I'm kind of thinking like, man, that be, might be why there's, but anyway, you can have a financing contingency, other contingencies. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. In case of something goes wrong with the house, like maybe there's a clouded title or something's wrong with the house, it provides you a way to essentially not buy the home and not lose your earnest money at the same time. So like, let's say like, let's say you have a financing contingency right. or an inspection contingency. We'll go with an inspection contingency, right? You buy this home, you're trying to put an, you put an offer on this home with the inspection contingency and you realize that through the inspection, inspection contingency that there is a cracked foundation, like you mentioned in the previous podcast, or there is something wrong that, about the home that you didn't realize that first time visiting, Yeah. right? Now, with that being said, you have the inspection contingency in place and you're able to pretty much say as a buyer like hey because of the inspe inspection contingency like there's something wrong with that home with the home now i don't want to buy it 
So I'll go ahead and take my earnest money back. If you didn't sign that inspection contingency, you would have lost all your earnest money. And sometimes earnest money can go up to, I think it's like 5% of the home price. There's a cap at 5%. Oh, okay, gotcha. So, well, actually, let's roll it back. Can mm-hmm. you explain to me what earnest money is? Say? Yeah, earnest money is just pretty much money up front. And it, it's a way as buyers that you can show the seller how serious of a buyer you are. Right. Yeah, it's like, in a sense, skin in the game. So is that part uh, of your down payment then? Or yeah. How does, how does it work for both the buyer and the seller? It's not extra money per se. It It is more money up front. And that's what sellers like to see because it's essentially like cash it's liquid right and so um that earnest money is actually used towards your down payment as well it's just kind of showing the liquidity of your down payment in a sense like and it shows like like if i'm a buyer and you're a seller and like hey briefcase full of money why not take it (laughs) so you sign the purchase and sale agreement Uh uh-huh we're good. We just opened escrow. That uh-huh. earnest money gets thrown into escrow. Yeah. Which is I'm neutral. planning I'm planning on giving it to you. Yeah, but yeah. into escrow, which is the neutral third party mm-hmm. that handles all debits and credits for mm-hmm. both parties during mm-hmm. the transaction. Yeah. And then at close, the earnest money is then used towards the buyer side of things. Yeah. So whether that be down payment and or closing costs. Yeah, but let's say inspection contingency is in place and so something wrong with the home, usually, typically, if you didn't sign that, sellers would be able to take that. But since you have the inspection contingency signed, you, you're you able to take your money back. And that was one of the things that were waived or yeah. wasn't applied during that super hot market, you know? Because a buyer, I guess, to in a sense, like, it's like, like I said, protection or insurance. It's like what kept the buyer locked into the home of buying that place or buying that home. And in a sense, like it was more serious, like they couldn't back out. Sellers wanted a more guaranteed sale. And if you have an inspection or if you have a contingency in place, then they have to, and they, and buyers apply that then they have a way of getting out and then sellers have to relist the property. They have to like remarket the property. Like when I say sellers, the sellers are agents and that's more time and things like that. And more time on the market means more leverage to buyers. So it just doesn't look good when a buyer backs out. Then that'll show other buyers like, oh, something's wrong with this home. Totally. Right? But during that hot market, they're like, I don't want no financing contingencies. I don't want no inspection contingencies. You come up with all the earnest money right here, right now. And it was just, it was the seller's ball game at that point. So I'll I'll ask you, Sam, Mm -hmm. is it a good time to buy right now? If I want to buy a house, is it a good time? That really depends on every person and their own, like, because everyone has their own lives. They have their own circumstances. I think how you look at it is, you know, it really depends on your own finances, where you're at in life, okay? Uh, So I would say the smart decision is to buy only if it makes sense for you. And the reason why I say that is, yes, interest rates are a little high, and but home prices are a lot lower. But as buyers, what is the one thing that you can control? You can't control the price of the home, but you can control your interest rates, right? Right. Yeah, by by refinance. Because you, because yeah. your pricing is determined 
pretty much by the competition. Yeah. So what I'm trying to say is okay. as the buyer, you can't control the price of homes. The market dictates that. But what you yeah. can control as a buyer is your interest rates by refinancing. So in in a sense, in today's market, you can essentially get the best of both worlds. Essentially, like, yeah, it's going to sting a little bit with a little higher interest rate. But you get the price of the home that you want. You get right. the dream. You get your dream home at the price that you want, essentially. And you can always refinance, what, six months later? I think that's the earliest that you can refinance a loan. The earliest, yeah. Yeah, six but months. That's depending if that's yeah. determined or depending on if the interest rates are good at the time. And that's what we're aiming for, essentially. So you're saying, okay, if I buy a house at 6% interest rates, if they go down to 5%, then yeah. I can choose to refinance that loan to 5% for the better interest rate. Yeah, and you but, got the price of the home. And I got the price of the home. Yeah, right. But I can't go back two years later and pay $100,000 less for the house. Yeah, essentially. Right? I can't get like, a refund on that. Yeah, you can't, you can't go back to this and be but like, I can, hey, I overpaid for my home. Can I get like my overbid back? So that's, <laughs> yeah, that's the dichotomy there with yeah. what you're saying mm -hmm. for yeah rate versus yeah it's price. it's almost in a sense like delayed gratification in a way uh like whereas take take the punch a little bit for that higher interest rate but like i said you get the price that you wanted for your dream home whereas like you're overbidding 100 150 200k over but you got your interest rate which is great but you can't like like i said you can't ask for that kind of you can't ask for a 200k refund yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I would say when you when you ask, is it a good time to buy? I would say yes, only but only if that makes sense for you guys, as you know, like in terms of your own finances, and uh, and things like that. But I would I would say, those are the things that you should consider in terms of like what you can control as a buyer, which is your interest rates, and then. You know, you who knows, you could even get an even lower price on the home too. So, yeah, I do want to like transition over to actually on on a related topic is the in interest rates too. So, right. like you say, you like after what I just said, you you would so a normal person would say or ask a normal person would ask like Sam, yeah, like I understand paying overpaying that makes sense like take the hit for the the higher interest rate but it, i think what really matters is your due diligence too like run the numbers see if you actually save more money by taking that higher interest rates for like the first six months and seeing if you know you pay less than if you were to overbid during a hot market and if you run the numbers and if that makes sense to you then yeah go for it uh i think I think that is where that that's what I like to do for my clients is seeing if it, it makes sense, you right? Know? Seeing if if taking the uh, like a like a I guess in today's sense or today's market a five six percent interest rate is better than overbidding one hundred fifty two hundred k over, you know? Totally. Yeah, I get what we were saying in running the numbers because real estate is really cyclical. I mean, it's just like the economy is cyclical and there are ups and there are downs, hills and valleys. Mm. But you can make a good deal. You can find a good opportunity whenever. Mm -hmm. Just because, you know, we're talking about 
we're in a recession right now or rates are high yeah doesn't mean a good opportunity isn't out there mm -hmm. uh, it means that maybe potentially less people are looking for opportunities because there are less buyers but essentially i think run your own numbers and know know what know what you want know the don't run your own numbers i'll run them for you <laughs> <laughs> no absolutely uh running the numbers and make it a good deal yeah no matter what time mm -hmm. you're buying i mean yeah. no matter what time make it a good deal mm. yeah that's that's all definitely and so like i guess i guess we could elaborate a little bit more on that okay so like um so Let's say let's say we were to run the numbers. Uh, yeah. So like let's say for a loan for, let's say eight hundred thousand dollar loan, right? What's the difference between paying with a five percent interest rate, right? Or versus a, let's do okay. Okay. Let yeah. me get into the actual affordability. Yeah. Because I think what you're talking about is, okay, you know Bruce and Sam, I understand that I don't want to overpay for the house. But what is this whole interest rate thing? How mm -hmm. does it actually translate? What are the results? Mm -hmm. So I actually, you know, I, you know, ran some numbers, just did a quick mortgage calculator, and here's the difference. Okay, five hundred thousand dollar house, but interest rates are five percent. What's the monthly payment on that? It's going to be twenty seven hundred dollars approximately. Mm -hmm. So now let's raise interest rates one percent. And this is what we call the golden ratio. Mm -hmm. As interest rates increase 1%, generally you can think of the buyer's purchasing power decreasing by 10%. So $500,000 house is now 6%. Mm -hmm. What's the monthly payment on that? About $3,000. Mm -hmm. So for the same house, your monthly payment has gone up $300. Mm. Now. Let's take it a step further and think of, okay, but what if my maximum payment is actually only $2,700? I can't mm. go up to $3,000. Yeah. Well, a $2,700 payment at 6% is a $450,000 house approximately. Mm. Okay. So with 1% increase in interest rates, uh -huh. we went from $500,000 to $450,000, yeah. which is a 10% decrease. Oh, so you're saying... 1% of interest rate and change is 10% of the home price of what your right. buying power is of as a buyer. buying power. And yeah. It doesn't correlate to, okay, interest rates went up 1%. That means home prices are going to crash 10%. Yeah. Doesn't necessarily mean that because. No, no, no. It, it, you're, what right. you're saying is it entails your buyer buying power as a buyer. Right. Yeah. If, if the buyer is maxed out at 500,000 at 2,700, mm -hmm they can no longer afford that $500,000 house, mm -hmm. essentially. Gotcha. So it kicks buyers out of the market. So that's actually another thing I wanted to mention was, um, as uh, people of this economy, yes, we understand that the interest rates change by the day, right? Right. And so, so in terms of when it changes like that, I think one thing that we all have to understand and keep track of is one day you can your buying power may allow you to buy this house another day your your buying power may decrease and you may not be able to get a loan for that house i think that's one thing that we should really take into account 
Yeah, and especially now. Like, do you it, get what I'm saying? Yeah, meaning you don't want to, like, be in a deal and then your final verdict comes in for what rate you're going to get. Yeah. And it's higher. So now yeah. you can't afford the house anymore. Yes. So, like... So I would say a remedy for that is being below that a little bit. Uh, Not, yeah. like, maxing okay. out what I can afford. Like, yeah. having a little bit of cushion just for that volatility. Yeah. Or another thing that lenders do offer, mm -hmm. it's a thing called a rate lock. Oh, yeah, And yeah, generally, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I, th I think, in my opinion, it's pretty spendy. I mean, you could spend probably like $5,000 on a rate lock, mm -hmm. but that says, okay, rates are this today. Yeah. I'm going to lock the, in that rate for 90 days and it's yeah. going to buffer. So I'm going to have that rate. So okay. that offers some certainty. Mm -hmm. It's so a little let me, bit spendy in my opinion. Yeah. So let me ask you, yeah. in today's market, do you think it makes sense to do a rate lock? I think if you are concerned that rates are going to go up mm -hmm. in the time that it takes you to find the house, close on the house. Because the day you write the offer to the day the, fi the final loan is approved, mm -hmm. that could be one week, that could be two weeks, three weeks. Yeah. So yeah. they could change. Mm -hmm. If you think that you might actually get thrown out of being able to afford that house, yeah. a rate lock would probably make sense for you okay. if you wanted that peace of mind. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, so... I guess uh, this topic was, I don't know if it may have been confusing for our listeners or not, but yeah. I do want to simplify it a little bit more. So like, I'll give you guys a little like real life example here. So let's say you get approved for a loan for a, like, let's say $800,000 home, right? Yeah. And then the closing, the, the closing takes some time. Interest rates have changed. They got a little higher. And because of the interest rates have changed and your max loan amount was $800,000, now your the nature of your loan has changed and you're now not approved for $800,000 loan. Let's say you're, you're only approved for a $750,000 loan. So now you as the buyer have to come up with $50,000 in difference. You either pay that up front or you don't get the loan at all. Right, you have to cover that amount because you'll only be yeah. loaned a certain amount. Yeah, otherwise otherwise your your deal falls through, your offer falls through yeah. and you're not able to get the home that you want. So I think like you mentioned before, a good loan officer I would think would or like a good real estate agent would send you guys homes or uh, submit an application for a home that you know where it gives you a little cushion where if yeah. things like that happens you're still able to get that home that you want so right i would recommend that with a little bit of cushion yeah or the rate lock mm -hmm. um you know those are yeah. two options and then another thing is let's say you're approved for a million dollar home but the home that you want is a eight hundred thousand dollar loan or a home i'm sorry yeah yeah so you're approved for a million dollar home but the loan that uh the home that you're looking for at is eight hundred thousand dollars you don't have to use the full one million dollar loan you could and you, i would advise that you don't even tell the seller that you can just tell the seller like hey i'm approved for right in the eight hundred thousand dollar home and i want to buy this home so super yeah. pro move just a little thing that i love to do and mm -hmm. with with the lenders that that i work with that i um of course it's up to the buyer mm -hmm. wh whoever their lender is mm -hmm. Um, if they ask for our input, we can give them some suggestions. Hey, this person is really good. Um, but the process I love to do 
is I love sending that home to the lender. Say, hey, we're about to put an offer on this house. I know that my buyer's approved for a million dollars, but the home price um, that we're gonna offer, we're gonna offer 750. <laughs> yeah. So can you write the pre-approval letter that we're gonna submit with the offer? Yeah, not a, not a prequel. Not a, a prequel. A pre-approval. pre-approval. <laughs> can you write that letter to be the exact offer amount that we offer um, so that mm. it doesn't show them, it doesn't show that there's any wig around. Yeah, because to a seller, like if I was a, a seller and yeah. I'd be like, oh, they're approved for a million dollar home for, or million dollar loan for $800 loan, why not ask for more? So like I'm not gonna budge on it. It's not like I'm working around this buyer. Totally. They can definitely afford it. You're you playing know? poker, like not showing your hand. Yeah. Right. But now if it's like a 800, like let's say like, oh, we're approved for $800,000 loan and the seller know, like thinks that, then they're like, man, I don't have enough room to like negotiate to go higher. I mean, that's up to them, I guess, but like they can negotiate that, but like you're, yeah. you're showing what you need to show as the buyer. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I and that's great. Mm -hmm. Like you want to have a lender that's like willing to, to write that per property pre-approval letter yeah mm -hmm, definitely yeah yeah so uh the biggest differences for january 2022 and 2023 is definitely this competitive market that we used to have that is not there as much i think with the competitive market definitely there was a difference in mm, how do we want to say this your contingencies your availability to use contingencies and protect yourself as the buyer right uh, another one was overbidding you're not going to see that as much or pretty much at all you actually see more price reductions in homes today than overbidding for sure yeah do you have anything to add in terms of the difference between buying in last year's market compared to today yeah i would say i mean okay as a buyer it's always good to be like super prepared and ready to jump on okay if i see this house i'm gonna put an offer on it tonight mm -hmm. and I'm all ready to go. Everything's yeah. in line. Yeah. So that was required essentially last year. Yeah. It's not as required as much. Yeah. Or there's you wouldn't more... even get the whole house because they already accepted the offer yeah, from someone else. There, I had, oh my God, so embarrassing. <laughs> like I was on a tour with some of my, my buyers and we're good. We're, we're like home, you know, we're close. So it, it wasn't awkward. It wasn't weird, mm -hmm. but we get to the house. So, you know, we're in Bell we're on in Bellevue, we're like emailing, Hey, I think this is a really good house. We should go check it out. Mm. We should go check out the house. It just came on the market a few hours ago. <laughs> so oh, we're gosh. like, Okay, we're gonna we're gonna drive over there. So I meet my clients and I I pull up the info on my phone just uh, on our app mm -hmm. that connects to the MLS. Yeah. And I'm pulling it up and um they're like, can you read us the description again? We forget. And so I'm pulling it up and I'm looking like, I'm like, I'm not seeing, I'm not seeing this, the house, uh, wh what's going on? I'm not seeing it. I have a filter for only active homes. And by the time that we traveled to the house to go and view it, we're outside. Dang. Mind you, there's like 10 other people outside, like all like doing the tour. So oh, yeah, I think I know what it is going We get to yeah. the house and the home's sold. Within a few hours? And and that's kind of, that's like, like the agent like didn't even like 
call and say like, oh, I see you had a tour scheduled. Like oh, we already my. accept an offer. Dude. But this was like within five hours. Yeah. I and wonder... I was like, I can't believe like, like. What oh kind of gosh. offer it was, was crazy. given it was like, to be accepted within the hour? <laughs> no, I was like, like, I was like, I'm just, this has never happened. Do you remember the price of the home? I believe it, I don't know, it was like 1.3 or something like that. And this was where? In Bellevue? It was in Bellevue, oh yeah. I wonder. <laughs> I forget. I, I forget like that, what it was, the house now, but it was crazy. It oh, was like, you know, I think the buyer yeah. may have offered something where it was obviously over listing price and no contingencies or maybe, I don't I, may, I don't know, maybe, right, maybe right. not. But, but anyway... They, you're not seeing that. Yeah. You have time today yeah. to drive to the house, check it out, yeah. and then, you know, sleep on it. Think, yeah. do I really, do I really like this? Like, should we, should we buy this? You're not like, there's no FOMO, mm -hmm. right? You're not like, you're not just like. <sighs> FOMO, that's a great word for this. Yeah. For this market, honestly. Right? So. No FOMO, no FOMO in today's market. I think that should be the slogan of this podcast. Okay. Yeah, and that's the biggest difference. Yeah. So that was a little mo yeah. moment. But anyway, <laughs> mm. a little moment there. Yeah, I'm I'm still like stuck on that story. I'm that buyer. It I was think, crazy. Yeah, it was that like, buyer probably was like, I'm gonna offer you this much, like over listing price with no contingencies, but you need to accept this now. I know it got super cutthroat. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, seriously, we. We drove. We just drove to the property. Like we were looking at it online, and then we drove to the property, and it was gone. This, it, this like I, like you said, this was in Bellevue. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Last Dang. year, I, one point so three. You see those kind of, yeah. um, you hear those kind of stories. So yeah, that I think wraps up Sam today, talking about uh, talking about the differences between. 2022 and 2023. 2022 and 2023. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm still not used to 2023 yet. Like, I... I know. Writing yeah, it down, it always takes me, like, eight months to, like, write the correct, <laughs> like, year on the date. Yeah. I still write 2020, yeah. I guess. You still write 2020? <laughs> I know. Bro, you're, like, three years behind. No, I gotta... <laughs> that, was, that was a new one for me. I, gotta, I don't know. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyways, uh, thank you for our listeners for tuning in yes. into the second episode of the Real Estate Modernism Number podcast. Two. Number two. two. If you take a look at our video from the last episode, uh, I said episode one, but Bruce decided to throw up two fingers. I did. This <laughs> yeah. time we're throwing up <laughs> it's two so again. funny during the editing process. Well, but, yeah. anyway, we but, are yeah. on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, everywhere you go to listen to your podcasts. We're on YouTube to watch the video version of this thing. Yeah, and you can see Bruce throw up the two fingers Absolutely. on the first episode too, if you'd like. But yeah, uh, give us a like, give us a follow, hit that notification button, and uh, we hope to see you guys in the next episode totally. as well. All right, bye now.